Hey there. Welcome to SaaS Unbound, brought to you by SaaS Group. I'm your host, Anna Dana, and this is the show where we chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business a success. And today we're talking about success of SaaS Group, because today with me is Tobi Schlotke, co-founder and CTO. It's great to see you here. Hey, Anna. Great to meet you here. Yeah. Uh, in person well, in Hamburg. <laughs> right. Yeah, the first one in person. That's fun. So um, obviously we'll talk about SaaS Group and what we do. And um, something that a lot of founders are really interested in, technical due diligence, something that you're responsible for, right? I think uh, I would actually phrase it differently. Like many founders are potentially afraid okay. of that for no reason. I mean, we talk to many startups we acquire. We actually do acquire bootstrapped companies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the technical due diligence is always... I think a bit weird for most founders um, as they don't know what to expect. Um, okay. And today we're here to also elaborate a bit on that um, and, and discuss uh, like why we do it and sure. why a founder doesn't have to be afraid necessarily. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not, not necessarily. <laughs> All right, but first, because we just also came back from an annual retreat with SaaS Group, which was a lot of fun, we discussed a new vision there. So maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit because it's also very exciting and probably means a bit of a change for the founders that are coming to us later this year. Well, I wouldn't say it's a big change. We just decided or put up the vision that we want to become the biggest SaaS conglomerate in the world. I mean, everyone needs a vision, <laughs> right? Um, and well, there, there aren't so many as well. So I think it's actually doable and we're on a good track. We now have, uh, we acquired 17 different um, companies or as we call them brands whenever we acquired them. Um, and we're quite happy with the progress. Um, we have a lot of amazing people on board uh, that really do a great job, um, provide a lot of central support with all the central functions that we built in SaaS Group to support the, the, the companies we acquired. Um, and yeah, my, my personal vision is also to build like a huge knowledge hub because we all want to learn and we all want to become better in what we do. Um, and I think that is where we help and uh, what is the most exciting fact for, for me or the most exciting goal for me uh, to really provide valuable input um, on all the different topics that as a SaaS founder, you often struggle with, right? Like pricing, finance, like all the, the dirty stuff that you don't want to touch. We help you with that. Um, and we recently even started to build an AI team to support with uh, large language models, et cetera. It's a huge trend. Uh, we don't want to miss, and we see many SaaS companies actually um, adopting that. Um, so yeah, we want to be valuable. We want to be helpful um, whenever acquired and also before that, uh, whenever we're in talks. Um, so that's our, our goal. And that was always like that. Um, we just have, we just put a big vision in front, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I think it's also important to maybe elaborate on your background, right? How do you, how you ended up with SaaS Group in the first place? Because not your first rodeo, not your only one even now. So yeah, what's your story? So a SaaS Group is my main gig, uh, to put that up front. Um, but um, I'm a founder for more than 10 years now and if you are a founder for more than 10 years and you kind of maybe sold a company or two, as I did, like I sold one company 
to Bertelsmann, one company to Zalando, you kind of end up having lots of responsibilities and different responsibilities. And you also, um, I don't know, like doing what you do um, and um, annoy your family with that. Um, and, and that is how it is for me. Um, we first, um, or in a, in a different setup, I first uh, founded the two companies that I sold, then also founded a big conference that does still exist where we actually sit in the podcast studios called OMR in Hamburg, um, which, which now spans like 70,000 people uh, per year, um, get 70,000 people over to Hamburg. And that's quite exciting, but um, I have a tech background, so um, I still love code um, and I still love building SaaS products. And that's why I actually joined uh, Tim and Ulrich on the mission to become the world's biggest SaaS conglomerate <laughs> with SaaS okay. Like first, um, I, I joined as a, as a very, very early investor and uh, then like quickly became co-founder and partner. And yes, I cover like mostly the technical side, but we're all quite technical. Maybe I'm the, the most technical of, of, of us. And I love working with founders. I love working with, with like digital products and uh, product companies. Um, yeah, that's what I do every day. All right. So what are founders afraid of when they, when they get to you, when they get to technical due diligence? Like when does it start in the first place? Because at first, I, I guess you're not really discussing it. No. Uh, so our normal process is um, that first, as a founder, you talk to our, our sourcing team or our M&A team. Um, and then when we're quite sure that it will come to a deal, and there's an LOI signed, so letter of intent signed on both sides. And, and that is like basically a handshake agreement on we want to acquire you. Um, the price is, is set at that point uh, and the overall terms are already defined. Like how long does the founder stay? Mm. Um, is there like a longer or not? Does he want to stay or she want to stay with, with SaaS Group or not, et cetera, et cetera. And at that point, um, it kind of makes sense to look deeper into, into the actual intellectual property that was created. Um, and that is what um, I do with the team, uh, partly also with external consultants. We got a few due diligences going on uh, at this point. Um, and yeah, you look at the, the product, you look at the roadmap, you talk to the team. It's a deep conversation and it's actually, whenever there's something found, it doesn't mean that um, this will lead to no deal. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just an on honest conversation to have. And going forward, in many cases also, let's say a slight correction in what you do and a slight adoption uh, to what SaaS Group wants to do. Businesses. Okay. So um, just one question, because it's been um, kind of like on social media and in the air for, for such a long time. Um, NDA, a lot of founders, when they go into even the first discussions, especially in Europe, they're trying to get you to sign an NDA. Green flag, red flag, do you do that? Honestly, I don't care so much. Um, I don't believe like generally that NDAs are, are very effective because I mean, you often hear rumors, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, about every company and that comes from somewhere. I think it's valuable, at least in a later stage of LOI or before an LOI to have an NDA. It's just like doing your homework, right? Mm -hmm. You just have to do it. Um, and that's it. Okay. Uh, and a lot of companies, as far as I know, they're they not really communicating the deal to the team. 
until the deal is done. But even for the technical due diligence, you, you kind of have to talk to some that were involved in building the company. So how do you, how does that happen? How do you not say that you're selling the company, but still? It's it's very company specific, right? Okay. Um, and in most cases, the, the people we talk to uh, throughout the process are actually involved and know that there's a sale going on and why it's happening, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that you try to keep the circle of, of people that, that knows about the deal as small as possible because like, yeah, at any stage, the deal can fail. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's weird for the team to right. go through all that process. A lot of confusion. Yeah. Okay. So um, I guess you start technical due diligence with whatever is available publicly first. Yeah, yeah. So first, um, before the technical due diligence, we even look at like whatever is provided and can be provided, like the tech stack, um, the cloud that is being used, et cetera, et cetera, partly the cloud cost, et cetera, to just like get a better feeling for what is there and uh, how good the fit is. Um, mm -hmm. It never happened that we ditched a company because um, the tech stack was not for us, um, to be honest. Um, it also rarely happens that... You to the findings of a technical due diligence, uh, the whole process is canceled. Um, mm -hmm. That rarely happens. Um, so it's more about finding valuable information and valuable things, having an outside perspective on your business um, and on your on your technical stack as well, to to kind of like pave the road forward. Right. Mm. Um, that's that's what it is for. Okay, rarely happens, but still happens. Right. So, what if, uh, yeah. What so could take it? It, 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 like for me, it doesn't happen that often. Like I give you one example um, to also calm down founders that are maybe thinking about selling. Um, one of our best companies, one of our best acquisitions, um, was really, really worst case scenario if you look at the, the tech stack. So it was really like bad source code. Not well maintained, lots of technical debt. Um, we had credentials and code. We had um, open database ports so that the database could essentially leak to the outside if, if a hacker would attack it. It was like really, really open and really like not well defined. Mm -hmm. There was no roadmap, there was nothing. Still, we did the deal back then. Um, we fixed it together with the founders, like most of the stuff and um, also outlined a new roadmap uh, to kind of fight the whole technical debt that was there. And well, the deal was also good for us back then, um, also partly because of that. Um, but yeah, it ended up being one of our best acquisitions ever. So yeah, I can calm down the founders that are afraid of tech. Okay, so nothing, nothing can throw SaaS Group off. Well, there are many things that can throw us off, but all right. Um, so, what are the red flags that are no no? Like, well, you you have to have an honest conversation uh, about how the status is, and if you find that you're not aligned on that, mm -hmm. like if you talk about it, if you have your findings, you talk about it, and um, you don't come to a, like a joint uh, roadmap going forward, then obviously that would be a red flag, and we would cancel the deal. But that didn't happen. Okay, what is the biggest green flag for you? The biggest green flag? Yeah. That's a good question. So um, I would say you have a well-defined roadmap, a pitch deck. Um, you have an architecture diagram. You did maybe a security audit a year ago. You did a cloud cost audit. Um, and 
the team is well performing, so the velocity is really like good and the team is motivated. That's by the way the best thing. Like if the team is motivated and, and really does uh, gets work done, um, and then that's I would say big okay. check mark. Yeah. All right. So how do you what do you prepare for for the first ever interaction with you? Like when you come in the picture, what what do you expect founders to have with them? Like nothing, nothing. It's, okay, it's fine if you come. Well, let's cut if it. If you come with anti, <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, we typically start with a kickoff meeting where uh, we just um, ask for all the material that we need. Uh, we send you like a question list. You can go through it with your team alone. You can prepare everything, and it's. More like a like a project kickoff, right? Um, and then you end up with a big list of questions or answers, um, and then in that list, like we we pinpoint the, the the topics where we want to have like follow up conversations. And then we do interviews with the teams. We look at the source code, obviously. So I would say the better prepared you are for a source code audit, the better it is. So make sure you don't have credentials and code. You don't have big smells in terms of like wrongly formatted stuff, no documentation, etc. Like just do good work. That's the best, uh, the best advice I can give you. Okay, we should put it into our strategy. All right. So if a founder knows there is something, um, I don't know, anything that would do not so good during the technical due diligence, what to do about it? Do you hide it? It's going to come up at some point, right? So how could it affect the deal? How could it affect the relationship with the acquiring company? So uh, I think, I, I mean, it's obviously always the question how bad it is. Um, and I think the founder knows herself or himself best. Um, so I would mention it as early as possible. So whatever you can like put up um, in terms of topics you think you should be hiding, like just do it because it it will it will come up anyway. It will come to the surface, and um, if it comes to to the surface without mentioning it for um, beforehand, um, it doesn't make sense, right? So put it up as early as possible, and then to go. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate or customer referral program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Rewardful automatically tracks referrals, calculates commissions, handles upgrades and downgrades, all seamlessly in the background, whether you sell one-off purchases or recurring subscriptions. Companies like Podia, Copy.ai, Barometrics, Synthesia, and many, many more are already using Rewardful to add that sweet, sweet MRR to their businesses. Sign up now at Rewardful.com for a free 14-day trial and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. I've heard a word that may not be familiar to somebody. It wasn't familiar to me until yesterday. Smells and anti-patterns. What's, what's that? Well, that are obviously like the things you could do wrong and that we like spot early um, okay. and uh, where we want to see as little as possible. For example, 
the biggest smell from my perspective is um, if you have a, a lack um, of business understanding in the tech team um, and a non-alignment with the business team. That's like what you find in many companies, unfortunately, mm -hmm. like especially if the company grows, but it's, it's, it's really bad to have. So the better you are aligned, the better it is. But it's also something partly you can't really influence a lot. Like it really depends on the CTO. It depends on the team. Uh, yeah, be well aligned. Um, the good thing is that with many smaller SaaS companies, um, this doesn't happen so often, right? Because the founder is maybe partly also coding, um, is maybe partly technical um, and focuses on having a, a small and effective team. The flip side of that or the downside of that is often that the founder is potentially micromanaging. Like if the company grows to like uh, 10 or 15 FT, that happens often. Um, you, you often have the situation that the team is kind of annoyed by the founder um, and that we essentially free um, the company from the founder a bit if the founder jumps off af afterwards, oh, which, which can be, <laughs> well, no, it can be quite positive effect. No, I mean, team. for the founder. Yeah. 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 But it can be positive. Um, then often, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with that. We often see very hands-on CTOs that um, lack uh, the ability to delegate effectively. Um, that's, that's one of the topics that like, we, we heavily see. Um, but it can be cured, right? It can be handled. Then many companies, especially technical companies, love to build instead of to buy. Like sometimes it's better to just buy um, a freaking... SaaS product instead of like right. just doing it yourself. Uh, many do that wrong. Um, then there's often a lack of understanding what the best tool for the job is. So often, like especially like in databases, um, founders sometimes over-engineer and sometimes pick the, the wrong tool. I would say like just go with Postgres and you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as simple as that. But there's also, also often like a a lack of understanding of the uh, overall architecture that it's the goal architecture that's often right okay but uh i want to come back to lack of delegation because we often buy very small companies mm -hmm. and uh there is the cto sometimes that's pretty much it maybe like two more people so why would it be such a problem especially if they like stay within the company well if they're just free, free people, um, it's often not so much of a problem. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, it's not great if all the knowledge about the company is in the head of the founder, right? Like uh, often you, you see that also in like growing teams that you have this, this knowledge island still mm -hmm. uh, where everything, everything depends on the founder. Um, and when the founder is gone, like the team is kind of headless, right? Mm -hmm. um, so doesn't know what to do. Um, and isn't very effective. So we really believe in autonomy um, and um, that that like each team member should really be enabled and empowered to do the job properly. And yeah, that's suboptimal if, if there's only one effectively working, right? And the others just get like part of whatever falls, falls down, right? Okay. All right. Uh, well, thank you for elaborating. Um, how long do technical due diligence take? And what's, is there a life after that? What happens later? Well, typically a due diligence, technical due diligence takes 
like two to three weeks, like depending on how much time you put into it and, and okay. how much you, you compress it. Uh, but look at the source code and all the different material that you provide. So typically, yeah, two weeks. And the life after, well, normally we have a conversation like also with the founders about what we found um, and um, how we want to want to take that from there, like what we think is, is critical. So we are very honest about what we what we find and what we figure out and then define a roadmap. Like essentially whenever we buy a company, we have like an Asana board prepared where we put in everything we find also in commercial due diligence, et cetera. And then we just take it from there, like whenever we, we went through the acquisition. Um, and if there's no acquisition happening, then um, I think the founder has like some homework he could do uh, if he like maybe at a certain point wants, wants to sell to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or okay. to someone else, like, <laughs> uh, wherever the deal breaks, right? Um, so you actually get meaningful information out of it and helpful information out of it as a founder as well. All right. You treat it as audit. Yes. Okay. Yeah, somehow it's like an audit, right? All right. But let's um, let's talk about that. Like when a deal falls through, what do you do like, as a founder? Do you, I don't know, what what do you do? With you continue like, your business, you, right? I mean, you, depending on uh, you gave all how, the information away. <laughs> yeah, well, you you just continue your business. It's just like you separate again, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, if you could give one advice to founders, how to prepare for technical due diligence? I, I think how to go there. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's um, there are like many advices I could give uh, in terms of what to prepare, like do security audits regularly, cloud cost audits, be well prepared. Um, but I think that the one thing that is really annoying if you do it afterwards um, is um, essentially having clarity on your intellectual property. Like, mm-hmm. does the software really belong to the company? That's one thing that founders like typically dislike, uh, like contracts, right? Uh, okay. And con- contractual work. Whenever you hire a freelancer somewhere, make sure you have proper contracts. The IP belongs to you. That's the most important thing to because that is what would shy away like almost every buyer. Let's assume you have uh, a freelancer, I don't know, in a country that's not very close and not so easy. Um, and then it's very important that you have the assignment. You're sure that the, the source code really belongs to you. What would happen if you, if you didn't? Well, you could end up in legal trouble, obviously. Um, because then, let's say that freelancer realizes ah you're selling, then maybe yeah it's no longer with the company, um, and it would come back to you, right? Could cause you trouble. Um, could have also stolen the source code. So there are like many many things that could happen. Just make sure that whatever you have belongs to you, and uh, you have that uh, written down, agreed. Every freelancer, every full-time employee that you okay. whatever is produced at work belongs to you. Um, yeah. Does it happen often, or or founders forget about that? I mean, you're a yeah, team. Yeah, it, it, it happens regularly. It happens <laughs> regularly, like that. Uh, whenever a deal is being closed or prepared, that the founder needs some time to just uh, talk to all the freelancers that uh, he ever worked with or she ever worked with, um, and to to get those 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 additional contracts ready okay before the sale before the sale okay so what what is the usual mistake that everyone does what 
what they don't prepare before the sale, and then you're like, oh, again. Well, that's that. That's that. Like uh, that's that's really that 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 like the contracts and the contractual work uh, that everyone forgets. Then, besides that, like everything can be fixed easily, uh, but that is really really hard. Also, I think like open source licenses. So whenever you use open source, just make sure that you're actually able to use it commercially. Mm-hmm. That's also one thing that founders often do wrong, like especially technical people. You just use what is there, like uh, free code, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Um, and then you end up having having a mess. Having to pay someone for what you use, maybe even for the for the years that you already used it. So mm. that's not, not an ideal scenario. So we also obviously realized that in the TechDD. Um, but yeah, it's better if you know about it, right? If you know about it up front. Sure. So... What you're looking for, really, in technical details or any any other part of it, um, is transparency. I mean, it's an honest conversation. Right. That's it, and it's helpful for both sides. Uh, so don't be afraid of it. All right, and just I wanted to ask uh, one question because you, you kept talking about that uh, having a roadmap, right? And somehow uh, this could be a problem for an acquirer, but then you could, why would you need a roadmap from a founder that's maybe leaving if you could do anything with it now? It it tells you a lot about the maturity of the company. Like if there's, let's say a three-year vision, like this is what we want to achieve with the company in three years. Um, the roadmap is like more short-term. So this is what we want to do this year. It shows that you are aligned, that you know what to work on mm-hmm. um, and that there's um, a path going forward um, and, and that it, like not the tech team is like, let's say, absolutely misaligned um, with, with business. Um, so that's what, what we get out of that. Okay. All right. So that's, uh, I, I, let's do maybe a quick wrap up. What's, uh, what to prepare? What's your first step to go into due, due, due diligence? What could throw potentially an acquire not an acquire let's let's talk size group we mm-hmm. could throw size group off the deal what would be a red flag but we could look away and you know what is the best case scenario so ideally you prepared a pitch deck a roadmap a diagram about your architecture mm-hmm. you maybe did a security audit you know your infrastructure you know why you use each of the components um, and you maybe ideally did security audit and cloud cost audit. Mm-hmm. That's, that would be brilliant, but like almost no company we see has that all. Like okay. if you have half of it, half of it, it's already great. Okay. All right. So um, just a couple more. What is the, what is your hack in technical due diligence? Like what is something that helps you identify the, like if it's a no-go from the start or if it could end up in an acquisition from your side? My hack um, or the, the simplest thing to do if the company is using GitHub um, is often to, to look at statistics, okay. like who's contributing what. Um, like you then see like the team and mm-hmm. who's contributing what and how much. Um, and in many companies, we see that the founder 
was actually the one contributing the most. Um, and that's like a like almost yellow flag. Okay. Uh, because you, in many cases, also uh, the founder walks apart, right? So yeah, that's that's the easiest thing to do to just check that um, and to just um, like create awareness of how involved the founder is in day-to-day work of, of, of yeah the product. Uh, so the best case scenario? The best case scenario that the founder is like maybe did some work at the beginning and then you so see that away. others took over and that there's a very, a very, very um, mature team uh, working together, collaborating on the creation of the product. That's, that's the best case scenario. Okay. So, so far uh, for SaaS Group, for you at SaaS Group, what has been the biggest win? Let's let's talk acquisition-wise, and the biggest failure. Not so prepared for that. <laughs> no one is. I mean, the biggest failure. You often don't talk about that, right? Um, it's the question if we want to transparency. We're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> so I already spoke about that one case, uh, one of our brands that um, actually ended up being being a very good deal, and and back then. Um, it's a bit of a funny anecdote. Um, we used a tool to analyze the source code uh, that itself had issues with security. Um, and we just realized that afterwards, that there was actually a breach um, and that the source code then could have been leaked or could have leaked to a hacker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, it was exciting, but... Um, <laughs> immediately was in touch with the FBI um, that that then like came to us and uh, asked us if they they can help. <laughs> okay. And um, it all ended up good. Like we immediately had to fix all the all the security issues together with the founder and everything. Um, and obviously never did that again. But that shows how important it is to like stay clean um, security wise and and make sure that you're not using the wrong tools. And that you obviously never have your credentials written in, in code. That means like the passwords are mm-hmm. like versioned in a version control system. And um, like everyone who has access to that can figure out what your standard password is. Um, and that was back then the case. And it's uh, like biggest success and biggest failure in, <laughs> yeah, in, in one, one thing, right? One thing. All right. It's perfect. Well, uh, we're going to do uh, probably another video a bit deeper into tech due diligence. Cool. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying everything that you've already said. I think it's uh, it's already a bit clearer, like how, how SaaS Group is very flexible. Nothing is a red flag, right? So we'll, well just there take... are many red flags. I don't want to say that. <laughs> we'll like, uh, there are many red flags, but it, it, it barely happens. Like most companies we see um, have okay structure documentation have lots of technical depth etc but um, honestly it happens everywhere Um, and uh, we are relaxed about that and defining a way forward with the founders Um, and it's not that we like in most cases like both sides want the deal right Mm -hmm. Um, in such situations and then figure out a way Um, and that's it okay all right so nothing to be afraid of no, nothing to be afraid of. Okay. All right. Well, uh, then if a founder wants to find you and talk, I don't know, tech due diligence, sell into SaaS Group, 
<laughs> that's probably dark, right? But <laughs> if they want to talk to you, how to find you? So um, just ping me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's very simple. Um, I also run a, a community for CTOs called Affilist. You can just join uh, and profit from the knowledge of others. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to engage. All right. Well, thank you, Toby. Uh, thank it's you. been great talking with you. And uh, back to work. Back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Anna. Thank you. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.